I'm Meg Dahl, your Unbreakable host. Welcome to the show. Hey, my friends, and welcome back to a brand new episode of the Unbreakable You podcast. Now, before we get started, can we just talk about the full moon that happened on Monday? Thank gosh I didn't get one of my migraine episodes. Those usually happen Along with the full moons, I usually get headaches, which turn into migraines and this whole shebang. But I am so grateful that that didn't happen this time. I was really crossing my fingers that it wouldn't because obviously migraines are not fun. But also, it's my birthday week and I just didn't want to be dealing with that kind of sickness on my birthday week. And yes, I do celebrate all week long. I've basically been celebrating the month of June as my birthday month, the entire month so far. So anyways, I'm super happy that I didn't get sick this week. But what I do want to talk about is just like the emotions that have been coming up with this full moon. So like I said, it took place this past Monday. And one thing that I love about the friendships that I have are that most of my friends will come to me when they need some loving, when they need some Meg love, they need some Meg encouragement, um, or they just need someone to kind of um, be that year for them. I love being that listener friend for my friends. And I've had so many friends reach out to me this week. I think we're all kind of feeling emotional, a little irritable, that thing. So I just wanted to remind you that if you have been feeling emotional and irritable and just on edge and maybe even like anxious feeling and just a little off this week, Here's your reminder, there was a full moon on Monday, so just be gentle with yourself. All right? All right. So in today's episode, we will be talking with J.D. Engel. She's one of my best friends, and we are talking about all of the different things like Enneagram, human design, Myers-Briggs, our birth charts, five love languages, and the four tendencies by Gretchen Rubin. So we talk about all of these things and how they have helped us get to know ourselves better and how they have also like shown up in our romantic relationships. JD's married. I have Scotty, my boyfriend. So we talk about how these things have shown up and allowed us to get to know ourselves better, but also just kind of like navigate our relationships in a more loving and effective way. I just love this stuff. Truthfully, this episode could have been like 
five days long. I just love learning about all of these things. And I thought it was a great episode to record right after we did the two-part series with Roland Leg. So if you're like Enneagram, what's that? I have no idea what you're talking about. Definitely go back two episodes ago and listen to part one of the Enneagram series with Roland Leg. In part one, we go through all of the nine types. And so if you don't know what your Enneagram type is yet, go back, listen to part one. And by the end of that episode, you should have a pretty good idea. But there definitely are other online assessments and whatnot. Or if you ever wanted to work with an Enneagram coach, Roland Leg does offer distance coaching. So you can always reach out to him as well. I have him linked up in the show notes for those episodes, but also today's episode. And then you can move on to part two, where we go into kind of more detail about subtypes and wings and some more fun questions about compatibility and whatnot. And then today, I just thought it would be really fun to sit down with one of my best friends who is also equally interested in this sort of stuff and could also talk about it for hours on end. So we sit down and talk about our different Enneagram types, love languages, etc., and how they have really allowed us to get to know ourselves better, appreciate ourselves, honor ourselves for exactly who we are. So this is going to be one of my favorite episodes. It's just super fun. I always love sitting down with a best friend. So JD does mention quite a few resources throughout this show. I have those linked up in the show notes as well, along with JD's info. You're definitely going to want to start following her on Instagram. Her stuff is great. And I've been on her podcast, I think two times now. And this is also her second time on The Unbreakable You. So I have her first episode linked up for us as well. It's all about navigating life as a very sensitive person, being empathetic, that sort of thing. So enjoy the show and I will see you next week as a 28-year-old. We love that stuff. Like we don't allow it to define who we are, but it just allows me to be like, oh, like that's how I deal with stuff. Like, oh, okay, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. And for me, it's like enhanced my relationships so much because I can Mm -hmm. also understand how they're perceiving things and that it's different than how I perceive it. A hundred percent. So like with your husband, for an example. Like, yeah. we need to start somewhere, so I don't even know where to start, but yeah. seeing as how, like, we just wrapped up a two-part series on Enneagram, like, let's talk about how the Enneagram has kind of helped you and I with our relationships, like, our romantic relationships. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds so, great. Like your Enneagram type and your husband's Enneagram type. Like what is it and how does that kind of like show up in your relationship? 
So, so funny. And you'll notice a repeating theme because we are opposites in every, everything. So for me, my Enneagram type is a two, I'm a two wing three. Okay. Um, which is a major theme for me as well in my life. Like every single profile is you're a helper, you're a healer. You love to nurture people. You love to, you know, help people through their journeys that shows up consistently. Um, but as you and Roland talk about, um, there are like, sometimes as we embark on these growth journeys, our types start to come closer together. And sometimes like certain types, like a two in their growth state can kind of express like a four Mm -hmm. um, because they're in touch with their emotions and a two under stress can begin to express like an eight. And my husband's type is an eight. He's an eight wing seven. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So it just shows up kind of that way. Like I'm a little bit more internal and he's more forward. I'm introverted. He's extroverted. He tends to like, sometimes I can take his uh, feedback or advice or way of speaking aggressively, even though it's not meant to be that way. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But just like going back on that is like, yes, you can take maybe some of what he says in an aggressive way or because I know eights can just be like very very upfront and like blunt but the way they say things you and I being like very sensitive beings could be like whoa that was super harsh but to them it was just like no I was just saying how I feel kind of thing exactly yeah and without the Enneagram and without knowing his type and without knowing all of what we know about type eights and type twos, you know, mm-hmm. our own types, like that wouldn't make that much sense. You right. you know, like I feel like knowing the type of like my type, Scott's type, it's really allowed me to like take a step back and be like, okay, that's why this is playing out the way it's playing out you know? Exactly. Yeah. Super interesting. Mm -hmm. And another theme that shows up is it's not always easy for any of us, but sometimes type eights feel, um, especially challenged feeling vulnerable, Mm -hmm. uh, or expressing emotions and feeling them and like sharing them with others. Um, and type twos like want to be there and help people (laughs) work through that. So there can be sort of in the past, there's been this like I'll share deeply about something and then I'll want to hear the same from him. And he's just not like that doesn't even feel productive or helpful to him. So, and then I can find myself wanting to help him through that, even though he needs to have his own space and process through it, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's just interesting to see the two types interact and type twos too can tend to like get their like worth from that, from helping other people and being right. seen as helpful. So I've like totally caught myself like hustling for worthiness doing that. And I did that even as a little kid. And it's so amazing to look back now and be like, oh my gosh, in elementary school, I really wanted to be that like special friend that knew everything about the person and was like always there for them. And when I felt like when they decided to go be with somebody else or whatever, I just felt so rejected and so heartbroken. And now I can look back and understand like how I'm wired, you know, right. and grow exactly. from that. Exactly. Yeah. Like we learn 
so much about ourselves. And I know something that shows up in my relationship is it's super interesting. And I love that you and I are both talking about this because you said you and your husband are like complete opposites. He's very like forward and extroverted and you're the complete opposite of that. And you're, you like, like the feeling and you're not extroverted and you're definitely not like a loud person. Um, But with the types that Scott and I are, I found it super interesting that both of our types, I'm a type four, he's a type five and we are both like the withdrawn types. Mm. So that's been like, I feel like something that ever since I found out more about Enneagram, that has probably been like the biggest thing for me to be like, okay, I can't like get in my head about this kind of stuff. You know, like I feel like with type fours, our minds can kind of like run wild and, you know, like we withdraw, but then we like can make up these stories in our heads about what's happening. But knowing that he's like, also a withdrawn type um but fives are very different than fours still I feel like you know um what you said about not really like wanting to talk much about emotions and like it's not a productive use of time like I Mm -hmm. see that a lot with Scott as well um but like he just like withdraws in like a different way than I do. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's, it's been really interesting to see that as I learn more about Enneagram that like we are both like the withdrawn types. So as Roland said, in like one of the previous episodes is that, you know, neither of us are really that one to like pull each other out of being like withdrawn. So I think with knowing our Enneagram types, it's just like more of that mindfulness of like, okay, we're both like kind of like hardwired to withdraw from situations. And so knowing that about ourselves, it's like, okay, now let's at least one of us kind of be that person to like draw each other out of being so withdrawn, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Absolutely. so interesting. And you personally, how has like the Enneagram kind of helped you personally as a two? Because I think mm-hmm. I really like, you know, scrolling through all these different Instagram accounts and seeing like all of these different like memes or things like that. And I find it really enjoyable to find like this one meme that is like 100% me. I'm like, yes, that's so me. (laughs) But I feel like when doing that, there, like whenever we find something like that, we can learn something about ourselves as well. Absolutely. Yeah, I can relate to that too. And actually like probably one of the first, I mean, I've done quizzes since I was a kid and I've always enjoyed like learning about myself. But the one that I really dug into first was learning my constitution, my Ayurvedic constitution. Mm. And at first, the way that I approached it was like, oh, I'm Vata, Vata Pitta, you know, so like all these things confirm that for me rather than looking at like the whole picture and how to create balance from that. So not just like doing more of the things that create that, but like, how can I bring more kapha energy into my life? How can I bring more slow, grounding, fluid, you know, energy into my day to balance it? Um, 
So same with Enneagram, um, I would say, and all of them, they kind of go together for me and paint like a big picture. So um, my Myers-Briggs is actually really complementary to my Enneagram. I'm an INFJ. And you're, you um, and I were very similar in that, I think, too. Yeah. Yeah. Are you INFP? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the like major themes that I notice is that we tend to be pretty internal and also like really have a strong desire to be helpful, to help others. And so the challenges in both of those is not like not attaching that desire to be helpful to our worthiness and our value in the world. Um, so a lot of times, like what I noticed for me is developing a lot of like codependency in relationships and really needing that feedback that I was helpful and serving them in some way to feel okay about myself. And also constantly struggling with burnout and being energetically drained because I wasn't setting boundaries and I wasn't showing that same attention to myself that I wanted to spread out to others and Mm -hmm. being on the empathic spectrum, pretty like empathic as well. It's just so important to set those boundaries and to prioritize taking care of myself to fill myself up so that I can be, you know, of service in the way that I love to be. And that's like the major theme throughout all of my profiles. (laughs) So interesting, right? But yeah, yeah, it totally makes sense. So, I mean, just side note, how have you created these boundaries in your life? Because I know a lot of women listening, or maybe I should say, like, what kind of boundaries have you set? Like, what do they actually look like? Because mm-hmm. both you and I know the majority of women listening to the show, majority of us are empaths and yeah. we feel everything and we're left feeling really burnt out or you know like we've been doing 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 and not really been like filling up so what do some boundaries in your life look like yeah so I think even setting boundaries is a like a unique experience for each of us and it's going to depend on our types and our constitutions what's going to serve us so for me having quite a bit of vata energy in my constitution grounding and structure are really helpful for me. So I tend to be really creative and get lots of ideas and want to do lots of projects. But if I don't create any like container for that, I can find myself just spiraling into doing all these things all day without taking breaks. So having a morning practice is probably the biggest self-care structure setting that I have. I spend the first two hours of the morning by myself. Um, I'll sit down and I will check in Um, I'll write down first I journal like any dreams I had and anything that came up in a dream state. Then I sit and ask myself like what's what am I noticing or what's coming up physically like am I feeling achy am I feeling fluid am I feeling do I have any soreness or stiffness. I just notice what's coming up in my physical body. Um, Then I notice how I'm feeling mentally, like what sort of chatter is going on in my mind? What's the flavor of those thoughts? Are they moving really fast? Are they future focused? Am I resonating on the past or, you know, um, getting stuck in something that happened yesterday? And then like, what's the emotional tone of that? So I journal all of that. And then based on what I'm feeling, I create a practice for myself. And I've been studying yoga and meditation for over 10 years now. So um, that's like one of my favorite ways to spend my morning is to just move in the way that's going to bring the most balance to my body. So some days that's 
a more rigorous movement to move some energy through. But a lot of days it's moving really slow and really grounded and taking deep, full breaths and then having space to just sit in the resonance of that afterwards and notice how quickly my energetic state can shift. I love that so much. And as someone who is also dominant in the vata dosha that really resonates with me and just having like a consistent morning schedule has been huge too Mm -hmm. like yeah um I know for vatas one of the body systems that can cause us a lot of issues or distress is like our digestive system. And I know for me personally, like if I'm not in a consistent morning routine, like not all my days look the exact same, but if I can at least have a morning routine that is pretty like grounded, slow, consistent, that sort of thing, then my digestion is on point. Mm-hmm. Whereas if I'm like staying somewhere else and I'm like up right away, going, doing something else and not taking that time that I usually take, then my digestion is off. And it's right. it's nothing that's wrong with us, but it's just knowing these constitutions or our dominant doshas and learning that about ourselves and how to really honor that and, you know, go about our days in that way. So I love that. And then one other practice for me in terms of, I love how you said like always getting ideas and we're really creative people and um, we can kind of like dive a little bit more into Ayurveda and like the doshas and how that has helped us, but we're kind of getting into that now. So I'll just elaborate, but I'm also vata pitta Mm. and with that like you said our minds can literally be like going all the time we're working on like thousands of things all at once and then we're getting thousands of more ideas for (laughs) other things and so what really helps me is there's two things like as an entrepreneur Mm -hmm. Two things have really helped me is like I look at my Monday to Friday schedule and I theme my days. So like Monday Mm -hmm. is my day for doing this. Tuesday is my day for doing this and so on. And then also um, choosing three things every single day that I'm like, okay, these are actually the three things that are important today and the three things that I'm going to do today. Because if I didn't create like my top three list, I would Mm -hmm. probably never accomplish anything to be completely Mm -hmm. honest. Like I would be working on a hundred different things in a single day. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) I love that. And I've done similar things. I'm playing with it all the time. Like what serves me best. And I notice it changes from season to season and project to project. For sure. Um, And in my like previous life working in corporate America, we, um, I was a corporate wellness coach and we focused a lot on the, like the newer, it was newer than idea of working smarter, not harder. So like working to prioritize energy and to continually refuel your energy throughout the day. So we focused a lot, not just on our circadian rhythm, but these ultradian rhythms that happen throughout the day and every like 
90 or so minutes. So that is something that I've come back to recently is setting aside 90 minute blocks throughout the day where I'm just focused in, no distractions, phone is on silent, email is shut off. And I'm just working on that one thing. And it's amazing how much can get done in that undistracted unitasking state where we're not like multitasking with multiple windows open. And then I take a break. Um, and that has been something that's been challenging for me to learn, but that is knowing my constitution has been really powerful in that way. So one of my favorite resources is Maya Tuari. Um, she is an amazing, beautiful Ayurvedic practitioner, and she has a book called A Life of Balance. And in it, she talks about our, she calls it our psycho-spiritual personality type. And so she describes in detail vata, pitta, and kapha. And one thing that I come back to, and I literally reread this like a manifesto when I'm burnt out, is that she says the worst thing a vata-dominant person can do is try to keep up with the routine of a pitta or a kapha. And most of my life, I was surrounded by pitta-dominant people without knowing it, and I was just always trying to keep up. And I was always finding myself exhausted. And Vata, we all have these beautiful like strengths and opportunities. And while Vatas are amazingly creative and tend to be, they just tend not to have as robust or resilient of energy as like a Kapha type who can just go on less sleep, can go on less food, can go on less rest. And I felt like there was something wrong with me forever. Like I was broken or, you know, something in that way for forever until I understood that. And I was like, oh, this is just my body type. I just need more rest. And I shouldn't be trying to keep up with my husband, who's a Kapha type, who can, you know, run on less sleep and can do a CrossFit workout every day and feels great. It's just not the same. Girl, I am like nodding. My head (laughs) is going to fall off because I'm nodding so much, but I cannot agree with you or like relate to you more honestly I like for my entire life I grew up thinking like well how come I have to eat breakfast the Mm -hmm. first thing like when I wake up like how come and there were years in my life in the past where I like literally like tried to push my body to get to that because it's like well everyone else around me can wake up and wait until noon to eat and they feel fine. So there's something wrong with me that I'm not feeling great doing that. And we try to like push our bodies to do certain things when that's really just like not in the cards for us. Right. Mm -hmm. Like that is, like you said, just not our body type. And then once we start knowing these things about our bodies, we can really honor that and be like, wow, that's why. Like there's the answer right there. I don't have to try to change. I don't have to try to like be like everyone else and like do all these crazy workouts fasted and then stay up super late. You know, it just, yeah, it's super interesting and so helpful to know all of these different things about ourselves. And I love that um, author that you brought up. She also wrote a book called The Path of Practice, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah, I read that book, but not um, the one you suggested. So I can link both of those up in the show notes. The, um, The one I read is The Path of Practice was amazing. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. And she also wrote Women's Ability to Heal, which I think okay. we both might have that book as well. And that's a little bit more focused on, of course, women and regulating their cycles and the power of our cycles. But yeah, she's amazing, amazing stuff. So we chatted a little bit about Enneagram and um, Ayurveda, the doshas. What if we chat about the love languages. This is something I love talking about and I don't believe I've ever talked about it on this show yet, but what are your like, maybe like top one or two? Yeah, my top one, I haven't taken it for quite a while, um, but I would say it's remained pretty consistently acts of service. And I grew up in a family who it was acts of service. Like we all felt so loved and appreciated when somebody would like fill our car with gas or do the dishes after we cooked or fold our laundry. Um, We just felt really loved that way. Um, And that still seems to be true for me. And again, I'd say toward the bottom of mine is physical touch and my husband's top is physical touch. So that's where we're opposite again. Um, And I actually looked up love languages after I got out of a long-term relationship because it was like, that was the catalyst for me understanding that people feel loved differently. And there's not like a right or wrong way there's just sometimes like different ways. And it's like, it is a language, learning that language of how they feel loved and appreciated. And um, before then I always thought, well, I feel super loved when people do this for me. And can you not see that I'm doing all these chores? Why don't you appreciate that? Mm-hmm. Um, so that was a, a great understanding for me. Yeah. I think this is like one of the biggest things that can help a relationship because obviously if you're in a romantic relationship you want to feel loved right and if like you are constantly doing all these chores around the house your husband if that's like his bottom one he's not gonna feel that way and so it's funny So you sound more like Scott in this situation. Mm. Um, His are gifts and acts of service. So he's like, and ever since I've known him, he like bought me stuff. And like, although I appreciate it, I just, it doesn't fill me up in that same way that Mm -hmm. like even a slight like, I don't know, you know, like when you're driving in the car and then they put their hand on your leg or something like that, like that legit, like just like I'm done after that. Like I feel (laughs) so loved and like it can just be like as simple as that. And then also just like words and it's not constantly having to be told like, I love you. I love you. I love you. It's not that, but it's just like. Even just simply like, hey, Meg, how was your day today? Or, you know, like what happened today? Like I love like words of affirmation is my tippity top and then is physical touch. Yeah. And literally Scott and I are complete opposites. And so mm-hmm. the way I think that this really helps relationships or that I know it helps relationships is like knowing your partner's love language and really like catering to that right and I feel like there's kind of like a misconception because I've talked about love languages on like Instagram before and it seems like people kind of have it a little bit backwards they're like oh well that's like the way my partner shows love so I just kind of have to like accept it that way do you know what I'm saying Mm -hmm. but I feel like 
with the love languages, for me at least, it's like, okay, now that I know that Scott sees, like, feels most love when Mm -hmm. I do the dishes and, like, I clean the kitchen and, you know, like, those types of things like those acts of service or when he asks me to do something I actually do it and not like yeah. push it aside <laughs> um because I am like notorious for that being a rebel which we will definitely talk about but yes. um anyways it's me <laughs> acknowledging the fact that like if I go on a holiday I'm gonna bring him back something even mm. though that's not how I feel loved I have to acknowledge the fact that like my partner feels loved that way, you know? Yeah. 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 And everything that we're talking about, it reminds me of um, like fixed versus growth mindset, right? Like we could look at it and be like, oh, this is who I am. I can't change. So this is what it is. And this is who he is. Or we can look at like, here's all the options, right? Here's the whole spectrum of existence. How can I grow into that? You know, how can I embrace this thing to create a more dynamic balance or a more, um, just a growth enhancing state of being. Mm-hmm. I love that so much. So is there anything that you do now that you know your husband is like physical touch and that's like bottom of the list for you? Because it is something that we have to be super mindful because it's just not like innate for us. Bringing right. up like that gift thing, like mm-hmm. for me gifts, like you can buy me something like And like I said, I don't want to come off sounding like I super don't appreciate gifts, but I'm not like I'm not one to be like motivated by prizes either. Um, That's not me. And I also just like you can give me a gift or you can not give me a gift and life's going to go on the exact same way. Um, So knowing that your husband is physical touch and that's something at the bottom of your list how are you being more mindful of that within your own life so I try to like in the morning when uh, we don't always get up at the same time because uh he's more night owl I'm more morning person um so but when we do like cross paths I'll make sure to like give him a hug and say good morning um and same in the evening and the nice thing for us is that like both of our seconds or maybe it's his third and my second is quality time. So we really meet there and both feel pretty loved and seen when we spend time together. So we really try to prioritize the last couple hours of the evening to just be together. Um, and then we're like cuddling together on the couch. So we're getting the physical touch in. Usually we've just had dinner and he'll help me. He's working on helping me clean up afterward. And he's also cooking a lot of the meals in the evening. So I feel really loved. So that's just a nice like combo. I love that so much. Uh, I seriously love all this stuff. It's like the yeah. I could talk about this forever. Um, yeah. Okay, so I did mention the fact that I am a rebel. What are you? So by the way, I, we are talking about the four tendencies now. So there's rebel, questioner, obliger, and I always forget the fourth. Upholder. Upholder, yes. And what Which are is you? moi. That's what you are. Okay. So uh, let's talk about this. Yeah. Um, I haven't, this one I haven't looked at for a while. I was really interested when she first started talking about it. Um, I haven't read the book, but I've read a lot of her blogs on it and listened to her podcast on it. Her podcasts are great. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, so I loved how she described them as like Harry Potter characters. And she described um, the upholder as Hermione, like follows the rules for the sake of it being the rule. And that's it. Um, and I like she described herself as an upholder as well and just tend to do really well with like structure and routine because we will just follow it and um, tend not to have as much of a challenge with like will, like motivating ourselves to do things is just like inherent. Um, so those are the pieces that I resonated with most because from my, most of my life, it hasn't been like motivating myself to do something. I will do it. I'll do it to the nth degree. I will do it to the point of burning out. So for me, it's more of like learning to like ease off of the rules and like actually like dialing up the questioner has been really helpful for me to like ask, like, does this actually serve me? Is this meant to serve me? Mm, you know, I like that. Um, yeah. Yeah. So that's how it's shown up for me. And like going back to Ayurveda, one of the things that Maya Tawari says is that the norms, like societal norms are not for vatas. Like they're not meant to follow like the status quo. It's usually not going to serve them. So I try to keep that in mind as well. Oh yeah. Just like knowing your dosha and being like, okay, even though I am an upholder, this isn't really the way of being that really serves me the best. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So for me being a rebel, and I know I did listen to the podcast where she talked more about um, upholders and how she is one, um, but I did also hear her talk about, you know, kind of like the motivation, how people mm -hmm. seek motivation. And for rebels, we really don't do well with any type of rule, whether mm -hmm. we set it for ourselves or other people <laughs> tell us to do things. So, you know, I mean, when I, I knew like instantly that I was a rebel, but I didn't really like know all about rebels. So when she started saying how like, oh, you have a really hard time, like meeting internal and external expectations. I was like, how on earth do I get like anything accomplished right <laughs> because it really is kind of a difficult thing to wrap your head around it's like yeah. so if you tell yourself to do something and if someone else tells you to do something you're not going to do it like what like how does this even work <laughs> so one thing that I found for myself and definitely this shows up in my life like all the time is if someone tells me to do something, I'm like, like I have like this huge resistance to not do it. And I feel like this is why, like I've had jobs like throughout high school and stuff, you know, I worked at a grocery store and a pharmacy and it was just like every week when I was handed my work schedule, all of a sudden I was like, well, I don't want to work. Like, it was like <laughs> this does not work for me. <laughs> and I, so like that has always shown up in my life. And probably one of the reasons why I thrive so much on being like my own boss and setting yes. my own schedule. But um, even internally is like, I'll start working with someone, you know, like a practitioner when I was dealing with like, 
health issues and things like that, you know, if I start working with someone, all of a sudden I'm like, uh, like I should, I, I know what to do. I don't want to work with them anymore. It's just like so short lived all of these things in my life. So, um, anyways, what I have found, if we have any fellow rebels listening, what I have found, and I learned this from Gretchen Rubin is really thinking about how, like, something's going to make me feel. So if I don't Mm. feel like doing something someday, like for an example, we'll talk about like podcasting. My podcasts come out on Wednesdays and not all the time do I feel like editing the podcast like ahead of time. But then I think to myself like, okay, you don't want to be doing this Tuesday night before it comes out on Wednesday. So when do you want to do it? You know, like, so I kind of like have those conversations with myself and really tap into like, okay, what's going to feel best for me? Um, And that feels like how I've been, like, if I don't like feel motivated to do something just like instantly, then that's kind of where I get my motivation from. It's like the feeling. (laughs) Mm, I love that. Yeah. But I mean, I got that from Gretchen Rubin too, which I feel like she would be such a great guest to have on the show too. Oh my gosh, yes. Yeah. So one thing that we haven't chatted about yet either, and this is like a whole other area that I find like super fascinating is birth charts, astrology, like sun, moon, rising sign. Those are kind of like the three that, um, you know, are most talked about when it comes to who we are and how we express (laughs) ourselves and things like that. So do you know that stuff about yourself? I'm assuming you do. So why don't you share with us your moon, sun and rising sign? Okay. So I have a ton of Scorpio in my chart. I am Scorpio sun, Scorpio rising and Aquarius moon. Aquarius moon. So how has that allowed you to learn more about yourself and like, Were there any like big things that came up for you that you were like, okay, this really makes sense. And how did you work with that? Mm. I mean, it was just like kind of overwhelming to me to see the amount of Scorpio in my chart. I feel like it's in like six or seven of my houses. So it's like present, predominant. Um, And there were a couple of things that have shown up for me. Like maybe the biggest one is that Scorpio is kind of like the kind of like shaman energy, like can bring the darkness into the light and likes to guide people and themselves through those processes of transformation and rebirth and renewal. And I, that is maybe one of my like favorite ways to be on the planet is like doing that for myself all the time. Like always going through these cycles of shedding and coming into the new and also helping other people do that in how I like offer my services to the world. So I would say that's like the biggest, broadest theme. And you can see that connection with like your Enneagram too, right? Yes. Like being the helper and yeah, that's super interesting. So my sun sign is Gemini, my moon sign is Libra, and then my rising sign is Aquarius. And I didn't know this like off the start, but once I kind of dove into learning about all the zodiac signs and more looking at my birth chart, the thing that was really like the biggest eye opener for me, we're learning that Gemini, Libra and Aquarius were all air signs. And yeah. it's like, 
okay, <laughs> this makes sense. <laughs> I just feel like with like Ayurveda, like Vata being airy energy and then having all this air in my birth chart, I was like, yep, <laughs> this makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, it's really interesting there. So I really um, love like astrology and um, how has that, how do you like work with that in your life too? Yeah. So there's been a lot of different resources that I've used throughout like the, throughout my journey. Um, I, there's an app called CoStar, which I think I recently shared with you and it is amazing. It's I found it to be super accurate. They use satellite scans from NASA to look at where the planets are in each phase. So it's like pretty, I feel like their advice is like, wow, it's pretty spot on. And they have like just one little daily like message and then you can go in depth with it. But the daily message for me is usually like, yeah, that's exactly what happened um, or exactly what I need to hear. Um, and another way that I've been working with it recently is human design, which is one of the like personality profiles we haven't talked about yet. And I feel like it's one that is like, it's been coming up a lot for me in like the last couple of years. Um, it's one that I probably resisted the most because it feels really complex. It's got a lot going on. There's this body graph and um, it incorporates the chakras. It incorporates like the 64 hexagrams of the I Ching. It incorporates your zodiac profile. Um, so it's a lot of things coming together. Um, and it takes quite a bit to like understand it, like any of these can, you know, they're like whole life philosophies. Um, but I've been using it in that way recently and really to understand the way that I work in the world, like how I can best show up in the world. And it's been giving me like new or unique information in comparison to the other profiles. Um, so for example, there are like signs throughout the body and if it's colored in, it's defined, which means, um, that like, that's just kind of who you are, rain or shine, storm or sunny weather, that is who you are. But if it's clear, it's not colored in, it's undefined, which means you're influenced by everything around you. And that's what kind of colors that energy in your chart. So um, that's been helpful for understanding myself. And then of course, I always like look at my husband's too and understand his chart. So for me, something that's been a consistent theme is like my solar plexus that it needs to be strengthened all the time. Like I've talked to different practitioners, my yoga teachers, everyone's like strengthen that solar plexus. Well, I did my um, human design chart and my solar plexus is undefined. So like, no wonder, you know, I'm like picking up on all these other energies all the time. And so I really do a lot of practices now to strengthen that so that that energy is like my own. So I know what's there. And also my third eye and my crown chakra are undefined. So that makes sense to me, like how in a couple of ways, like one, how I can be like really open in meditation and kind of like go there <laughs> into the ethers pretty easily. Um, but also how I might want to like really do some practices to strengthen my boundaries and my like energy around me before I go out into the world. Um, wow. So those have been really illuminating for me. And then I'm a generator and that's okay. 70% of the population tends to be a generator. And there's these themes and how we like show up in the world. So for um, generators, their strategy is to respond. 
and I have sacral authority. It's not connected to my throat chakra. So I don't have a way to voice it. I just get gut feelings like yes or no. So the best way for me to show up in the world is opportunities come in and I get an immediate hit. Like, yes, I like feel light and vibrant and I really want to do that. Or like, no, like that feels like a no. And just easing into learning to trust those things has been really, really magical in the last couple of months. Yes, that is so you. And I just have to applaud you because I know you have been doing a really good job at really listening to that gut instinct. And if you are getting a yes, you're like, okay, yes. Mm -hmm. Or if it's a no, then you are setting those boundaries for yourself. So I'm really proud of you for that. So you obviously know so much more about human design than I do. And I feel like I could have an entire episode all about the human design because I truthfully don't know much about it other than the fact one of my really close friends, Anna, um, messaged me and just like randomly one day and she's like, I'm pretty sure you're a manifester. I was like, I have no idea what you're talking about, but (laughs) sure. So then she sent me this link. I put in my info and I was a manifester. So I don't know. What do you know about that? If anything, I'm sure you do know. Not a lot. I'm just learning about all the different types right now. So there's manifestors, there's manifesting generators, there's generators, and there's reflectors and projectors. So those are like the types. Um, And I feel like we each have, how it's been described to me or how I've learned through other resources, we each have like a sort of a different reason for coming into the world and how we show up. And I know for generators, it's about um, like understanding themselves in the world, that's kind of like their main thing. And for manifestors, it's like understanding the impact that they can have on others. That's how I've understood it so far. Yeah. 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 Honestly, like I said, I would be definitely open to learning so much more about it. Um, and I feel like that's a podcast episode in the future for sure. So yeah. what haven't we touched on? that we wanted to talk about in terms of getting to know ourselves and all of these different tools that have really allowed us to like see ourselves. I feel like kind of like the overarching theme for both you and I is every single time we've found out like a new thing about ourselves, whether that's our Enneagram type or our dominant dosha or like our human design, like all of these things, it has just first made so much sense. It's like, okay, that's why it's just explained a lot of things. But with that, I feel like it's allowed us to feel a little bit more whole and see ourselves as like, okay, there's actually like not something wrong with me. This is who I am. And I need to honor that. Right. And that's why I love this stuff. Yeah. So I would say too, like, um, broadly speaking, I feel like a lot of times, especially in like the health, wellness and personal growth world, it can feel like there's one right way of being like, there's some common thing that we all should be striving for. So like you said, these things can help us kind of just unhook from that line of thinking and look at how can I thrive best in this like mind body energy system, knowing that it's unique to anybody else, you know, how can I understand this better so that I can thrive? Um, and I would say that 
each of these that we're like touching on, we're just scratching the surface. Like you can go so, so deep with any one of them. So I would say like, for me, it was important because I like to like go really deep with things, Scorpio. Um, (laughs) So pick one, like it was important for me to just pick one and go all in on that and then slowly incorporate the others as I had like the space and the capacity for it. Mm -hmm. And then they just began to like layer and weave together really beautifully. And I began to see these themes, like I've been sharing, like that I have this deep seated passion and desire to, to be helpful, to be of service in the world. Um, so it's just really helpful for me to, uh, understand that and to move in like a more gradual, slowly layering kind of process. Totally. Um, Mm -hmm. And then I'll just mention one resource that I didn't yet, but like, I would say that like my, if I have to pick a favorite, I love them all. Um, but like maybe one of my favorites is actually the Myers-Briggs. Um, and we never really like dove into that (laughs) one at all, but again, that's something that I, like if I know the least about one of these things, it's Myers-Briggs and human design for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And so there's this resource called Personality Hacker and they have a podcast and they also have an amazing website blog. And that is where I learned the most about it. And I love how they describe our, like you get four letters, right? So mine is INFJ and they help us understand it in this like model that they call the car model. And so you have a driver, a co-pilot, and in the back seat behind the driver, you have a 10 year old. And then behind the co-pilot, you have a three-year-old. So it helps us understand like the introversion versus extroversion and the intuitive versus observing and the sensing versus feeling and the judging versus perceiving, um, like who we are in each of those. So our driver is like the one we use the most. We've been using it since we've been alive. It's the most developed. Then the co-pilot is there to like kind of be the second mature, like more growth oriented um, part of us. And then the 10 year old is like a 10 year old level of maturity and the three year old is a three year old level of maturity. So just knowing that about ourselves, like how we react and respond, that's been really helpful for me. So I would definitely recommend checking that out. Yeah. If you want to learn more. Well, yeah. And I love tuning into podcasts like that. I know I've spent like so like, you know, when podcasts first started becoming a thing, it was just like health podcasts. And I was listening to, I mean, I literally have not listened to a quote unquote, like health podcast, meaning like a nutrition type of podcast in years, but that's all I used to listen to. And there's nothing wrong with them. But I think just when you're a nutritionist, there's other things that, you know, or anyone, I think we get to a point where it's just like, okay, there's other things that we can be filling our minds and hearts with. So that's kind of my mission with this show is to give all of our listeners some different tools and some different things to start thinking about above and beyond food and stuff like that. So I'm sure this episode with you has nourished that um, for everyone. It's been awesome, JD. And I could totally just keep chatting about this stuff with you. So (laughs) likewise, (laughs) yeah, maybe I'll dive into like human design and Myers-Briggs and then we can (laughs) have you on again. Circle back. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Okay. Thank you so much, sweetheart. And oh, finally, where can people find you? 
Yeah, sure. Um, I'm probably most active on Instagram as far as social media goes. So it's just at JD Ingalls. If you want to connect with me there, I would love that. And then my website is jdingallswellness.com. So I'm working on creating new content, new yoga videos and meditations for people. So stay tuned for that. Yes. And I just have to give you a shout out that... JD is a Nourished and Free leader, so she is one of the ladies that helped collaborate on our group program called The Nourished and Free Method, and you've been doing like yoga videos in there, so that's all part of that, and then also meditation, so it's been awesome to have you in that course as well, sweetheart. Yeah, so much goodness. Okay, thank you, sweetie. We'll chat again. Mm -hmm. 